0: Do you to find gay porn? My name is Ike. and if you watch gay porn, I definitely hope to get off. And my guest this week, I've been trying to get on for a minute. It's been a minute. Known him for a while. Uh, I've uh, seen you in various stages of undressed mm-hmm. to naked at this point. Uh, he is a uh, porn star, adult entertainer, content creator, f- bird father, mm-hmm. and NYU student, correct? Columbia. Columbia student. Columbia okay, so... Uh, Columbia student. Okay. Uh, Nate Stetson, how are you?
1: Doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to be here. I know we've been trying to coordinate this for a while. Yeah. You
0: know? Basically, I want to get down to what your story is. Mm-hmm. I've, I think I've, I've known you since 2017. We did a couple of shoots, and then you stopped doing porn for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Let's get down to what you were doing before 2017. When did you start doing porn? Mm.
1: So. In 2016, I lived in Atlanta uh, very briefly for like nine months. I moved there from New York City. I'd been here for maybe uh, five years prior uh, from South Carolina originally. And I always felt that the South was calling me back. And I had become so like disillusioned and uh, annoyed with New York City life after five years here that I said, well, why don't I go to a Southern city? And I moved to Atlanta. I have lots of friends there, have family close by. I thought it would be a great fit. Uh, And it it was. I love Atlanta as a city. I love visiting there. Uh, But it was really hard for me at that time. Uh, And how old was I then? (laughs) Maybe I was like 25, 26 in 2016 uh, when I was living there. And it was hard for me to make money. Uh, I had been working at a hotel here in New York city before moving to Atlanta. Uh, and sort of the first thing that I found when I moved to Atlanta job wise was a job as, uh, working in the tree care industry. So I love being outside and I love plants and trees are amazing, right? Uh, we need them. Yeah. We gotta, (laughs) gotta have them. Uh, So I took this job and it was really fun, like driving this huge truck around the city of Atlanta. Uh, It had air brakes and it was like a couple hundred pounds away from the weight limit that would require me to have a commercial driver's license. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a big truck is what I'm trying to tell you. Um, (laughs) And it was just so much fun driving it around, but I was making nothing. I think I was making like $15 an hour Uh, risking my life and other people's lives daily by driving this huge fucking truck around a city with narrow streets, you know? Uh, And I had met some guy who, at like a bar or something, who suggested that I do underwear modeling. um, He was saying that he was doing that and he gave me someone's contact information. I reached out to that person they told me that I didn't have the body for it, that I was, like, too thick, um, <laughs> which now I take as a compliment, yeah. actually. Uh, at the time, I didn't really uh, think about my body, you know? I knew I'd, I just liked to go to the gym. Um, and so he said, you're too thick for underwear modeling, but have you ever thought about doing porn? Like, hmm, no i've never thought about doing that uh and he put me into contact uh with uh howard at fab scout um and howard was really really nice to me and hooked me up i think my first shoot was like in vegas uh which i'd never been to before and i was terrified uh but like really excited you know um I remember like looking over the the contract, not contract, but like model release form or whatever mm-hmm. for the shoot before leaving Atlanta, and there was all of this language about like if you have any blemishes or ingrown hairs or anything like that that uh, and you didn't look camera ready that then your pay could be docked, you know uh, and I thought that it sounded so severe they're going to dock my pay like if I have like a pimple or something. Something that's not your fault. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I really was so worried about it. But anyways. uh,
0: What studio was that? Do you mind? What studio was that?
1: Oh. It was in Vegas. It was in Vegas. Uh,
0: You don't have to say it. If if you don't remember it, that's one thing. If you don't want to say it, perfectly fine. So a studio in Vegas is more than enough.
1: <laughs> yeah. I just really don't remember. Uh, I remember the assistant's name on that shoot because he was so cute. Uh, but I don't remember anything else. So that was your first porn shoot? Yes. Okay. First porn shoot. And I remember walking into it. I really had no idea how I was going to feel after it was over. Mm. Um, I didn't have any expectations. Um I was told by friends that I might feel bad or I might feel exploited or I might feel used or something like this. Uh, no. Okay. No. Much to my surprise, like, it was really the first time that I felt, uh, like, at home in my body and, like, aware of my body. Like, I told you before, uh, when I was told that I was too thick for underwear modeling, that was the first time that I actually really, like, thought about how others perceive my body um (laughs) which maybe sounds really abstract um it's just not something that was on my mind yeah
0: i can i understand where you're going Mm. with that i think it's eye-opening um something yeah you haven't thought about before did you top or did you bottom
1: i topped yeah i remember the scene partner Before the shoot, I was reading, there's a Toni Morrison book called The Bluest Eye. Um, And I remember he was like, oh, I don't have to read that book because I already have The Bluest Eye. Uh, Which is really funny if you've read the book, because the whole book is about a girl who thinks that she has blue eyes, um, but she, she doesn't you know um and did he <laughs> he did but maybe they were colored contacts i'm not sure <laughs> he was really nice don't get me wrong yeah. it was just like kind of funny at the time and it's a story that i i remember and tell a lot
0: before being a truck driver and getting into porn
1: mm-hmm. where did you grow up i grew up in rural south carolina okay mm-hmm.
0: how was how was growing up how was your life growing up
1: um my life growing up was fine um Maybe if I had to like flatten it out and reduce it in one word, I would say boring. Boring. Boring.
0: What part of South Carolina?
1: The upcountry, as we call it. Northwestern uh northwestern part of the state, near Greenville, near Spartanburg. Okay.
0: Corn fed. All American
1: Not Corn no? fed. Um more like Diet Mountain Dew <laughs> Tobacco um peanut fed. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they don't grow a lot of corn there, but they grow a lot of tobacco. Uh, you
0: know what? You're right. I'm thinking more out west, right? Mm. What um what was growing up? Like how was high school? How was do you define yourself as gay? Mm. Okay. When did you realize that you were gay?
1: Mm. I think that I always new um but maybe hmm maybe one of the first times that i was like oh i'm actually attracted to this man uh or was that like you know the ymca or something in town (laughs) and seeing other older men uh undressing and being interested and then that was when i was like hmm this is more than than i thought i like this yeah
0: (laughs) yeah. um what about the process of okay after after realizing that your process of coming out of the closet or telling your parents having friends around what was that like Hmm.
1: (laughs) so uh maybe when i was like 15 i had my first boyfriend um and he gave me, like, a dog tag with his, uh, you know, name on it. And I would wear it all the time. I never took it off. Um, And I remember once my mother saw it, and she was like, who is that? And I was like, oh, it's my boyfriend. You know, I I just didn't care at the time what they thought, I guess. Um, And they didn't care either, uh, which is great right it sounds great um but i think that it it felt like uh it didn't feel like an accepting not caring it just felt like a do whatever you want not caring at the time you know that relationship was uh pretty intense though you know because it was the relationship that i came out in Uh, and, and he, my boyfriend at the time, whose dog tag I was wearing around all the time, um, his family was very religious, um, and I remember once I was, like, over at his house, and back then, like, uh, what year would that have been, like, 2005, it was still really popular to, like, take, a picture of yourself kissing your boyfriend, girlfriend, <laughs> like with a disposable camera, okay, you know, okay, yeah. and then like you would get it developed and like keep it and cherish it. Anyway, his mom found it one day while I was over there. Uh, and I just remember she like busted into his bedroom and she put me in her car and drove me to a gas station and gave me 50 cents and said, call your mom to come pick you up and I waited for hours <laughs> because also I lived far from them um so it was really intense i think that that was the first time when i realized oh okay not everybody is like i don't care about this you know
0: what when your parents or your mom picked you up what was what was the conversation like
1: i think that it was just kind of uh uh ambivalent maybe yeah Yeah, I feel like my parents, they wanted to be accepting, and they are to this day, which I'm very grateful for, uh, but I think that at the time they didn't have the language to navigate it, so it was easier for them to uh, be like a little more standoffish, uh, which is a lot better than them. Totally condemning me, mm-hmm. right? Um, so that's that's what they could do, and they did that, and I'm grateful for that now.
0: Since you you have a good relationship with them now mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. um, how have they evolved with with you? And because I'm sure when you're over, when you get together, they ask about you and how you are, and do they do they like Google? what gay people are doing now or do like are they are they with it almost like are they caught up
1: i don't think so no? no um because also i'm not really caught up yeah. do you know what yeah. I, mean? no, I know i know i'm not really with it uh as far as like mainstream what mainstream we might call gay. yeah mainstream <laughs> yeah. gay culture um yeah so they're they're not any more aware of it than i am probably,
0: okay yeah what about high school? How was your high school experience what was What was
1: it like um mm-hmm. uh, painful uh very very challenging uh like I said, I'm from rural South Carolina when I was born, maybe like maybe like one thousand two hundred people lived there now the census says like six hundred something, so the town really shrunk. Our high school was closed actually
0: because um, wow, it was so funny.
1: yeah because there, you know there were going to be like 20 people graduating in my in my class uh, and they closed um when i was like in the ninth grade but luckily i had a teacher who was uh really supportive of me and like interested in my writing because i really liked to write at the time and she suggested that i apply for this school that was Uh, about an hour from where I lived. And it was residential and it was public, so I didn't have to pay to go there. Um, But it was focused on the arts. Um, So I applied and I got in and I went there for... uh, Sorry, I went there after 10th grade. I went there for junior and senior year. And uh, it was really, really intense because it was just like all of these misfit, weird artsy kids from all over South Carolina um, thrown into this place. And we, we lived there uh, and we all had our focus, like our art concentration. Um, but we we're also trying to finish like regular high school degree. Right. Um, and I just remember uh, the teachers there really pitted us against each other mm. uh, to see like who could be the most creative, who at 17 16 years old is going to produce the most profound work. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized they were just trying to be encouraging uh but it was it was really intense, you know. That's
0: very I feel like they were setting you up for moving to New York if anything. Mhm. Yeah. Cuz I mean rejection as a part of the art world in in New York is every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you You kind of get rejected more than you get uh, accepted. What brought you to New York? Mm. I know we had, okay, so we we got to the truck driving. You met Howard at Fab Scout. Mm -hmm. He sent you out to Las Vegas. What finally brought you to New York?
1: When I got out of high school, which I graduated in 2007, I got in a full ride at a school like way, way, way central New York near Syracuse Um, and everyone told me not to go there everyone told me that I wasn't going to fit in, everyone told me that I would be miserable because it was so, it was even more rural than where I was born Um, and additionally that most of my classmates would probably probably be driving like Mercedes Benz Mm -hmm. and you know, daughter of the president of Saks Fifth Avenue was going to go there and all this stuff. Um, But I went there anyway (laughs) because they gave me so much money. uh, They needed to fill some sort of rural South Carolina demographic. (laughs) So (laughs) they brought me there. Um, And I was miserable there. Really, I I really enjoyed it academically, but socially it was impossible for me to navigate. Um, I felt... uh, so different from everyone and i kept trying to say like oh that doesn't matter like i'll just focus on school and anyways long story short um i like left for an academic year and then i came back the next academic year and then i left for two academic years and i went back after that uh and i finished uh three semesters and by that time it was 2011 uh, winter 2011, and I said, "Fuck this place! Like, I don't want to be here anymore. I have hated every second of this school, <laughs> uh, except for the academic part. Yeah. Like, that was great, <laughs> but you can't be in class 24 seven. You know. Uh, so then I moved to New York City, and I just said, "This seems like a good move for me. Let's see what can happen there." Um, and I, I didn't apply to schools here. I, I thought that I didn't want to finish my undergrad
0: so coming here not doing your undergraduate what did you do uh in those four year when that four year period before starting porn
1: yeah um when i first moved here i got uh, an internship at a gallery in chelsea called ppow which uh is a really big gallery they they represent the estate of uh, david roniovich and martin wong who were really famous Queer, gay uh, artists, um, and then they they also represent a lot of other really cool people uh, that are alive and dead. Um, but so I got I got an internship there, and it felt very New York. And um, I mean, I was terrified of the ladies that owned it. Um, not that they're terrifying, but they're just uh, uh, such influential people. In, in the art world uh, that they really carry that presence with them whenever they come into a room. And I was just so intimidated, you know. Um, but I did that for a while, and I enjoyed it. Uh, but, you know, there's only so far that an internship can go. Um, and then I landed a job uh, in 2013 working at a hotel in Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Uh, and I worked there until I left to go to Atlanta in twenty fifteen
0: after your first first experience in porn mm. in Vegas. what happens then how does how does that world open up to you?
1: Personally, I felt like very empowered um and very excited about this new work that I had found um and I took more and more shoots. Uh, So much so that it started interrupting with my job, my day job in Atlanta. Um, And it didn't make sense to live there anymore. So I moved back to New York City.
0: Were your jobs located in New York City or were they located... Like, were you flying out to California, Vegas, Mm. almost everywhere?
1: I was mostly flying to New York City and Vegas. Okay. Yeah.
0: What studios
1: have you worked with? I've worked with Raging Stallion falcon um i remember being working for men over 30 when i wasn't 30 (laughs) yet and feeling like oh okay um uh (sighs) treasure island media raw fuck Fuck club Hmm, there's a lot more uh that kind of have like smaller names because they're like under bigger umbrellas that i can't remember right now it's a lot yeah. Yeah.
0: But you've been you've been around. You've done you've done yeah. the big studios in California, mm-hmm. the mid-sized studios and smaller studios. Mm-hmm. Uh what about OnlyFans? Are you are you big on OnlyFans? Do you like do you do you make your own content and how do you find that process?
1: When I first got into porn in twenty sixteen, I remember that was kind of maybe when OnlyFans was starting to become popular and become widely used by creators and consumers um and i remember like scene partners telling me about the process and like how they have to do all these collaborations and edit their videos and upload them and promote it on twitter and then promote promote it on instagram and i remember thinking wow that's not for me
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's a lot of work yeah it's a studio your studio you're your Mm. own studio at that point
1: and I'm also just not really uh, interested in, like, constant, like, selfie-taking and promotion in that way. It, it doesn't come natural to me at all. I show you. Um, so I avoided it. Uh, but <laughs> now, uh, yes, it is a huge part of my uh, professional life and is how I support myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so... I had mentioned that I was working at a hotel before I moved to Atlanta and then I got into porn and then I moved back to New York City. Um, And after doing porn for a while, uh, maybe in 2019, I decided to take a break because I'd actually gotten a big promotion at that same hotel. Yeah. Um, The one in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I wanted to see how far I could go with that in that world. Uh, And I really enjoyed it. Um, Hospitality. Yeah. 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 I had worked at the front desk before um, and really uh, it came natural to me to take care of people, you know, to take care of guests coming in and to welcome them and be warm and natural and friendly. And so then when I was given the opportunity to manage that team, I was really excited because I know how hard it can be uh, working in like a customer service type position. Uh, And I know what it takes to feel comfortable in that position. So I was excited to be able to do that work for them. Uh, And I I did that for as long as I could. And then the pandemic rolled around um, and suddenly it didn't make much sense to be there anymore. And that's when I got back into porn. That's when I, started my OnlyFans, fans um and i've learned a lot through through working uh on my OnlyFans. fans mm-hmm. you know uh, through working with other uh creators and i've learned all sorts of new skills you know like photoshop and
0: have you seen the the gambit of creators like the ones that are like oh yeah we'll put something together and then they kind of flake out and then the ones that are like "Boom, boom boom paperwork uh mm-hmm. shoot this is gonna happen that's gonna happen good good lighting good li- like you they're out
1: there yeah 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 it's true that there are a lot of different types of people creating content uh, and some people are a lot more organized than others um i tend to really appreciate the organization mm-hmm. that's for sure um it's just good to have everything lined up and understood, you know.
0: This is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Boom, let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also in school. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're at Columbia University. Yep. What are you studying?
1: My major is East Asian languages uh, and cultures. And then my focus within that is on Japanese language uh, and Tibetan studies. Wow. Mm-hmm
0: what what got you into what got you into that
1: so growing up in rural South Carolina as a weird lonely gay kid um, with the internet uh, somehow on the internet I like found Japanese pop music at a very young age and I became obsessed um, and I became really interested in the language itself uh, and I would teach myself some as a kid and Uh, just expose myself to as much of the language as I could, because it's such a fascinating language. And when the when I left the hotel, when the pandemic rolled around, uh, I was just thinking, like, what can I do? Like, what am I passionate about? I remembered my love for the Japanese language and started taking classes online during the pandemic. And it all kind of, what I, what little I taught myself as a kid came back to wow. me. Um, and I wanted to see where I could go with it. And now I'm at Columbia um, finishing my undergrad there. And hopefully that will happen
0: in a couple of more years. We'll see. I think that's amazing. I think mm-hmm. that's perfect timing too. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Japanese, Chinese. Uh, I think it's... It's necessary right now. Mm. It's the new Spanish, Mm. if you will. Is it hard to grasp, right? Get the grasp of a new language Mm. like like Japanese?
1: Mm. I mean, yes, of course. Um, I've always been really sensitive to language in general and like the way that things sound and the words that people choose to use to express themselves. Um, I'm not saying that it's easy for me, um, but as as someone who is really fascinated by any language including english um i kind of have this weird like laser focus where i'm able to to really hone in and uh do the work that is required to hopefully one day achieve some level of uh fluency um yeah yeah that's would a great question would you move to japan i've thought about it um because of my love for language in general, I thought, well, maybe I could move to Japan and, um, work as like a freelance translator and then try to start some other business on the side. Um, my partner is Venezuelan and we always talk about like, if we were to move to Japan and open up like an arepa or Venezuelan restaurant in Japan, they don't have anything like that there, you know? Um, and so, therefore, the, my idea, at least, is that people would really find it interesting and would want to try it. I wonder, like a bed and
0: breakfast with like mm. Venezuelan food. You speak, he speaks Spanish, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you speak a little Spanish?
1: I can understand more. You can than understand.
0: You speak, <laughs> you speak Japanese <laughs> and, Amer- and English. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that would be really, really cool. And you already know hospitality. You already have that, right? Yeah. Yeah. God. So you, you brought up your, your, your boyfriend, your partner. Mm-hmm. How long have you been
1: together? We've been together almost four years. Okay.
0: Yeah. This is a question that comes up mm. a couple of times. But how is it being in a relationship with, I mean, it's more for him, but also for you. Mm. What is it like being in a relationship with someone that's not in the industry? Mm. Um,
1: or is he in the industry? No, 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 okay. he's not, no. Um, I find it to be very refreshing um because you know uh if i've had like a tough shoot or something that's not ideal happens like with um uh, someone that i'm meeting up with to do an only fans collaboration um i can talk to him about it and he just has a different perspective you know and it might help calm me down or open my eyes to something else um yeah it's definitely refreshing not that i wouldn't want to date him if he were in the industry i'm just saying yeah
0: yeah i'm always curious to know what what that dynamic is like
1: mm. yeah, cool yeah he actually knew of my porn work uh before he knew you know the real me oh. <laughs> before he got to know you yeah 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 Well
0: that's cool that works out well then too mm-hmm I want to talk about your birds too. Mm. I see your Instagram posts. You are a bird father, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I would. That would. I, that's what I call it. But is that what you would call it? Parrot. A parrot par- bird parent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what kind of birds do you have?
1: I have a Quaker parrot uh, and a Rupells parrot. Okay.
0: I won't lie. I don't know the difference between both. Uh, does do they talk back to you? <laughs> yes, they do. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you teach them uh, how to make certain sounds
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah well it's not really like active teaching they just sort of pick it up yeah okay. they pick up on things they're really smart
0: how have they picked up anything that uh normal birds wouldn't pick or not normal but other birds wouldn't pick up i don't think so you no know, like you know i don't know fuck shot it's like cock shit no, <laughs> no, nothing,
1: no. <laughs> nothing industry related either. no actually no <laughs> Cause when I'm with them, you know, I'm just uh, giving them kisses, and you know,
0: it seems very relaxing.
1: Yeah, it, no, no. <laughs> Not at or your all. pictures make it
0: seem very like here they are, you know.
1: Like. Yeah, no. Um, parrots are very, very complicated pets, and maybe shouldn't be pets at all, actually. Um, but uh. They're in my life now, and I can't imagine my life without them. Moreover, um, I have a commitment to them to protect them and keep them healthy. They they would not make it anywhere else, you know. Parrots are very complicated pets. Whenever anyone asks me, and it happens all the time on Instagram because I post so much of the birds, um, whenever anyone asks me, like, oh, I'm thinking of getting a parrot um i I tell them no, don't um don't get a bird like uh, <laughs> unless you're gonna be home literally every day uh all day long, and unless you uh live in some sort of soundproof shell where your neighbors won't hear your birds screaming and crying um you should not get birds. <laughs>
0: So if you're on some kind of sanctuary somewhere you have a lot of land, maybe, different story? Totally different story. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Do they make a lot of noise?
1: Oh yes. Do your your neighbors complain? Not yet. I've actually weirdly never had a complaint uh yet. Uh which I just wonder are people being nice and not <laughs> complaining, but yeah. no. Uh I don't I I think that they would complain, cause yeah. it it can get quite loud, at least in my in my apartment, where they are, you know,
0: maybe it's an old school New York apartment that you know, mm. the walls are really thick and yeah, not really hear anything. Yeah, let's hope. Mm. So what are we? Gonna, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have some fun today. Yeah, yeah. I'm I think uh, Esteban should be on his way if he's not already here. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're gonna have a rematch. We're gonna do this for Treasure Island. Uh, it's gonna be you and him, you taking him. Yeah, yeah.
1: To <laughs> the best of my ability.
0: Yeah. When people want to look for you, mm-hmm. where do they go? Uh, give me, like, Twitter handles. Give me anywhere people can find you.
1: Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. So my Instagram is Nathaniel, not just Nate, but Stetson, which is easy to remember. Uh, my Twitter is Nate underscore Stetson X. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh yeah if you go to either one of those there's a link uh, in the bio to the link tree which then also has my other websites like only fans just for fans
0: okay cool yeah shit thank you i appreciate Mm. this i'm uh i didn't know if we were going to be able to pull it off Mm -hmm. before the scene because of this goddamn traffic but I'm glad we did. We made it work. Yeah, we did. Guys, this is Demystifying Gay Porn. It's available on any podcast uh, directory. We're available on YouTube. My guest this week has been Nate Stetson. Nate, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, So just remember, if you've watched gay porn, I've definitely helped you get off. And so has this gentleman.
1: (laughs) Cheers.